I'm Rob. I'm Joy. And you're listening to Key Light. All right. So this week we are talking about uh, a new A24, or kind of new A24 movie came out over the summer, Past Lives, which has kind of been like a critical hit and also I think was just very popular generally in a something that I found pretty surprising. So I think the best way personally to describe Past Lives is a love letter to subtlety and a lesson in how to let go of nostalgia. Yeah, definitely subtlety is the main thing about this movie that I love and that makes it stand out. Uh, It's all about the maybes, the what-ifs of life, and it does an amazing job of tenderly letting go of those maybes while still, you know, valuing them and treating them healthily. So we talked about Oppenheimer last episode, and if we can describe that film in one word as epic, then this film we can describe in one word as minimalist. Yeah, I think... If Barbenheimer is maximalist, this is the pinnacle of minimalism. It is minimalism at its finest. For such a simple premise, this movie delivered complexity in a way that I've come to expect from A24, but also disarmed me completely. Yeah, and that minimalist approach means that the focus is really just on the two main characters, Nora and Sung, allowing for tons of these staring contests between the two during the movie. What are they trying to say during those moments? That's the heart of the movie, those moments all the things that aren't said out loud, and when they are said, they're said softly. Even when Sung confesses to Nora that he dreams about her and being married and in love, it's paired with the acceptance that she already has a husband and an established life that she's not going to be a part of. So we've been, ra- been raised on this idea of celebrating nostalgia and worshipping the idea that our childhood love has been waiting for us all along. Going into the film, I was actually really worried that Nora and Sung would get together because the premise is such a powerful and realistic subversion of the typical love triangle plot. The scene I wanted to talk about the most was the, that scene that we open on and then we return to at the end of the film, where all of them are just sitting and talking in the bar. It had so much potential, I think, to fall into the trap of having this blowout argument or some kind of outburst where the two men get into the fight over Nora, but we stayed in that very subtle, subdued energy, and each of the characters approached the situation with understanding and respect rather than jealousy, which I found so refreshing, and it was just, it was so nice to see adults talking like adults and figuring out adult problems like they're actually like mature people in their 30s. I know mature is exactly how I would describe this ending. You know, I I loved it, too, because it stands out for that healthiness in their relationship. We can see both the healthiness between Nora and Sung and Nora and Arthur. So that maturity comes in through Arthur expressing his real feelings with Nora, you know, when they have that scene in bed, and how he feels weird about Sung, but he expresses that calmly and honestly. He doesn't make it about Sung and how it's kind of crazy that he flew all the way to New York just to see her, which is a big deal. We can admit that was a little much. But instead of focusing on that, Arthur instead explains that he's worried he isn't doing enough for her and that Sung is a physical representation of what she could be doing instead. But she also very maturely is honest about how she's navigating this weird experience and doesn't get defensive when Arthur expresses those feelings and those worries, but instead reminds him of their long-standing connection and what they've been through already, and the love that comes with that. Yeah, and I think, like you said, this is a very kind of weird experience. This is a very weird premise, but they deal with it in such a mature way. And going back to Nora and Arthur's relationship, which I I loved it. It was just so nice to see them be so healthy. Um, 
And that goes back to that conversation that they have about Inyan and how Nora goes on this beautiful monologue about how it's rooted in fate and connection and that it brings people together. And at the very end, there's just like this whiplash of like, oh, it's just a line that Korean people use to seduce others. And that entire sequence, I think, is so representative of the movie as a whole, where it's like, yeah, there are so many be- beautiful and flowery things you can say and want, but ultimately, reality won't always sync up with that flowery ideal. And that's okay, because at the end of it, we get to see Nora and Arthur get together, and it proves that really good things can still come out of being rooted in reality. Yeah, you can still find that beauty in reality, even if it doesn't sync up with the ideal that you had. And that's what makes this such a beautiful film in general. I know I'm just a sucker for movies and all types of media about interpersonal relationships because the possibilities are so endless when you have two people with different relationships. There's so many ways that can go. And I never would have thought of a situation like this for me, but for someone else, it might hit really hard. And even me, I'm still able to relate to this overall feeling of maybes and what ifs or maybe this was meant to be in my life. Yeah, this was one of the movies I was the most excited to see this year. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, this is the exact kind of thing I'm into. And I'm really glad I got to see it when I did. It captures this very quiet and specific niche of what relationships can be. And I think it sets this new standard for what romantic dramas could be. All right, so now for our cultural impact section. Um, This trailer really drew me in. I think you can tell from the trailer that this is a very special movie. We just talked about how it's different from a lot of romantic dramas in the healthiness and the maturity. But you can see that in the the trailer. So I highly recommend that you watch it, even if you've already watched the movie, because then you're going to be like, oh, what's this about? Yeah, I think um, when the trailer was first released, because I follow the A24 account on Instagram, like the film major that I am, and I think when I saw that trailer, when, the, when they released the trailer online, I was like, oh, I scrolled past it, and I was like, no, I want to go back and watch it. So I scrolled back, and I watched the full trailer, and I was like, oh, I'm really excited for this, because everything A24 puts out is, like, pretty good. Like, they don't have they don't have anything that, like, I outright dislike. There's a lot that I haven't seen, but there's nothing, like, bad in their filmography. And I think this one was just, like, it drew me in instantly of like, oh, it's this kind of like long-term, like between two kinds of lives relationship. There's like another person and it's like, it's so complicated, but also not complicated. And it just, it's just so real. Mm-hmm. And after I watched it, I was like, I'm really mad that this got made because this is something I would write. <laughs> and now it's already out there. Yeah, it's, and, it, and it already exists. And like, that's like, it happens all the time when I watch movies. I'm like, oh, that's something that I I wish I could have written. And it's like, exactly along the lines of something that I would write and yeah because I think I had um a short film that I was like revising the script of over the summer that I actually just shot and it's a it's a very similar concept of like letting go Mm. yeah well I'm not a film major so I don't have the feeling of having my ideas stolen um but yeah I definitely agree with the part you said about how it's really simple and complex at the same time I think the min- I haven't watched a minimalist film in a while, especially coming off of Barbie and Oppenheimer and just a lot of movies and TV show recently that comes out is really like a lot of stuff happening all at once, tons of plot lines. You know, have to figure out how this pair of characters is doing, how this pair of characters is doing, and also tie that back to the overall plot. Sometimes when you have all of that going on, everything gets lost in everything else, right? Like 
I'm watching the new season of Sex Education right now. So you and everyone else I know. Yeah. You're not watching it? No, I'm not a big fan. Okay. Well, I will say, especially with this fourth season, there's so many different plot lines going on, it's hard to focus on what the main one is or to decide if there even is a main one. With past lives, there's really only one thing happening. There's nothing else. Like You see maybe two or three shots of Nora being a playwright. Right, just to let you know that's what she does. That's all you need to know. And really, that's just a function of her uh, and her identity as someone who's striving for a big award, which is what Hei Sung always talks about. You know, he always mentions like, "What's the award you're going for now?" That's really all those scenes of a playwright are for. So when you focus on something just by itself, you add you allow for so much more richness to that film. So I think. I really appreciated having a break with the minimalism. And I think a lot of people will in this, you know, crazy, quote unquote, golden age of TV and uh, movies. Yeah, I think I saw this while I was at the Sydney Film Festival. So I'd been seeing like a ton of movies back to back to back. And I think this was like during the first week. And it was, it was, it was just really refreshing to see something that was minimalist, but I think still told a very strong story because I think it's very difficult to pull off this kind of movie, and I think they did it really, really well. I think Tao Yu's performance as Sung blew me out of the water. I was astounded mm. at, how, at how well he handled the nuances of a character that I, can, I, that I think can come off as an asshole if you don't do it right, but he did it so delicately and with such nuance that I was completely convinced. It was amazing. And I think we all have that one person from my past that is, like, the one that got away, so to speak. Maybe not necessarily romantically, but there's, like, just some person in our past. Maybe it's the kid you had a crush on and never built up the courage to say anything. Or maybe, like, the neighborhood kid that, like, you always hung out with, but, like, it never really went anywhere. Or just someone you were friends with and, like, never followed up on after you guys went to college. And maybe there's no one like that, and but you have, like, a regret in your life that always haunts you a little bit. Or, like, you wish you'd done things differently. I think all of us have something or someone like that. And putting myself in Nora's shoes, I definitely have my own Sung person, someone who I re- kind of regret leaving behind the way I did. And like my memories of them will always be lo- a little bit tainted with nostalgia, and I see them through rose-colored glasses, but I think that's okay. And that maybe I can reach out at some point and revisit that, but it's okay if I don't, because it's okay that our relationship is was what it was then and is what it is now. Yeah, and she's so super honest with Arthur about that she's like he asked her like are you attracted to him and she's like I don't know maybe and then she thinks through it out loud and she's like yeah it's just so weird to see him in person you know it might not just be attraction it might just be novelty and the curiosity of seeing someone you know from 20 years ago to FaceTime to not seeing them again for 20 10 years and then seeing them in person after all that time you know like She's super honest about that and how weird it is. And then Arthur, also very maturely, at the end when she's walking home after Sung's left in the Uber and she's sobbing in Arthur's arms, you know, he could have been an asshole and he could have been like, well, does this mean you loved him or all that kind of stuff? But he just embraces her, you know, acknowledges that she's feeling a sort of loss because that's kind of what it is, you know, when you have such a nostalgic feeling And because that feeling is so strong, even if it wasn't meant to be or even if you don't actually have feelings, 
you know, it feels like a loss. And Arthur's there to recognize that, not to reflect that back on himself and his insecurities, but to support her. Yeah, and I think it is truly, truly so important that Nora chooses, I guess, doesn't even choose, but like, is with Arthur in the end, in that she chooses the person that she found and like she stayed with for the past like, what, 10 years? And that mm-hmm. she doesn't give in to that nostalgia. Because I think that's so, so, so important for people to see, especially in the modern day, where it's like, we are more interconnected than ever. It's so easy to find people from your past, but it's also important not to get too lost in the nostalgia of that. Like, if you've had someone who's stayed, who's stuck around for the worst parts, you stay with them. You choose the person who's stuck with you the whole time. Like, if they... There are extenuating circumstances, obviously, but um, without going into all that, I think it's important that you stay for the people who stay for you. All right. Now it's time for Song of the Week. Which we totally did not just come up with right before we started recording. Mm -hmm. Totally not. We definitely prepared for this. No, no, no. All right. I have been listening, I'm late to this party, I know, to Leve a lot. Um, Someone wrote a review for it. Uh, for the radio station. We have a media team and people write reviews of articles. Anyways, I added them. I read the review. I was convinced by this writer. I was like, damn, okay, I'll check this out. So good. Exactly the kind of music that I need. So my song of the week is Lovesick by Leve. Yeah, I needed to get on that train because I am not on that train quite yet. I'll get there. Should be. I I should because she seems like the exact kind of music that I would love. She's from Berkeley. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like Berkeley, Berkeley, Berkeley like school in, music. Oh, okay. I was like, in California? Anyway. No, I don't care about that. Yeah, not, not the point. So my song of the week actually comes with a little story. So over this past weekend, I went to go see Hosier because we missed out on Boston tickets, but me and my friends, we got New Hampshire lawn seats and it was fantastic. So I've been a big fan of Hosier since like middle, middle school, as most gay people are. And mm. so my song of the week is Cherry Wine. It is a classic and I think... There was something so beautiful about just Hosier standing on stage with a guitar acoustic and an entire crowd of thousands of people singing along to Cherry Wine. I think a life-changing experience. That entire concert, but that song in particular, that was life-changing. And then Boy Genius brought uh, brought him out on Monday at the concert in Boston, and I was really sad that I couldn't be there. But unfortunately, I did not have tickets, and I'm busy. Yeah. Busy, busy bees. It'd be like that. All right. Well, that's our episode for today. So if you still have a crush on that elementary school kid, watch this movie and then please move on. We'll see you all next week. This episode was written by Joy Gu and Rob Pereira. Also edited by Joy Gu and produced and mixed by Rob Pereira. Special thanks to the BU School of Communication for their studio and to Northeastern University. You can find Keylight on all podcasting platforms, and make sure to be notified of new episodes by following our Instagram and Twitter accounts, both at KeylightPod. Thanks.